Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rovardo, joined by my co-host, Alex Wilson. And Daniel Jones is back this week. He was out for the last three games as the New York Giants had him nurse up his neck injury, started Tyrod Taylor, got down to Tommy DeVito in last week's loss against the New York Jets. But in this upcoming Sunday uh, matchup with the Las Vegas Raiders and Antonio Pierce, Daniel Jones will get the start. He said that he's been cleared for contact and he's ready to go, barring any setbacks. And we don't expect there to be any setbacks. So Daniel Jones back in the starting lineup and now with the two and six New York Giants being in the position that they're in having just traded away Leonard Williams acquiring an additional second round pick in the upcoming draft it looks like the Giants are hitting the rebuild button right like they are looking ahead towards the future maybe they realize two and six start to the season we don't have much of a chance to make it into the playoffs here so what's next I think that's kind of the mindset that the New York Giants are taking but what is that mindset if that's the mindset that the front office is taking what does that mean for Daniel Jones well for me it means that he needs to play his ass off for the final stretch of the season if he wants to keep his job as the starting quarterback of the New York Giants. Because let's face it, at 2-6, and six, you are talking about being in that Caleb Williams sweepstake. You're talking about being in those top five draft picks where if the Giants fall in love with a quarterback prospect, he should be there for the taking. So if that happens, Daniel Jones needs to play well enough to make sure that that doesn't happen, that the Giants don't fall in love with a prospect because they feel confident enough in their quarterback's ability. So we're going to go ahead and preview this final stretch of the season for Daniel Jones, discuss what it means for him, and discuss how he can keep his job as a starting quarterback of the New York Giants and fend away any of the fans who are calling for a new rookie quarterback. But before we dive into all that, make sure to leave a like if you do enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the topic down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. But without further ado, Alex, how are you doing today, my friend? And are you excited to get Daniel Jones back in the lineup for this Sunday matchup against the Raiders? Danny, Danny, Danny. Ah, Daniel Jones, again, primary topic of discussion as he usually is. Now, I'll tell you what right now. Um, I'm talking about Joe Shane the the past couple days, you know, having these conversations with you and, you know, kind of floated it on Twitter. I have complete faith still in Joe Shane. Why, you may ask? We actually are hitting on some late to mid-round draft picks lately. Um, and, you know, I know this. we're going to transition here to Daniel Jones, but I wanted to get this off my chest before we get started here because I think it does play into this entire equation. Um, is there things that Joe Shane did wrong? Probably yes. Are there things that he's done better than Dave Gettleman and it's not even close? Absolutely yes. Let's go through those things. Micah McFadden looks like a legitimate starter. Bobby Okereke acquisition looks like an absolute stud of a signing. Uh, the incentivized one-year deals to Paris Campbell it will Campbell will be gone. He's barely even used now. Wandale Robinson looks like an absolute stud. I really like him. Um, extending Kayvon Thibodeau, extending Dexter Lawrence, getting a second and a fifth for Leonard Williams. Kayvon Thibodeau looks phenomenal lately. Um, you know, you're, you're looking at some really, really good pieces here. Bellinger's a solid player. We know Jalen Hyatt's a solid player. We got JMS in the second round. In my personal opinion, I think we walked away with some pretty damn good draft picks. Um, Deontay Banks, I mean, you tell me, looks like he's going to be a star. Trey Hawkins, sixth round pick, the value we're getting out of him. Cordell Flott has looked excellent as of late. I actually really am excited to see him keep playing. Jason Pinnock, I mean, they plucked this guy off the Jets practice squad, for God's sake, and he's a starting level strong safety for us. Um, I think we've done well. And at the same time, 
very much at the same time. We've managed to clear a lot of money and get rid of bad contracts. Leonard Williams' contract, sayonara. Dory Jackson's $19 million salary cap hit this year, sayonara after this season comes to an end. Um, they're clearing money off the books. Now, the only the, the big narratives that people are focusing on, the Daniel Jones contract, franchise tagging Saquon Barkley, and, of course, you have Evan Neal as the draft selection. Now, let me get something off my chest right now. Everybody that's listening to this right now wanted to pick Evan Neal, including us. We were hyped. The fact that we got him at 7th or 8th overall, whatever it was, we were ecstatic. Evan Neal looked like a capable, starting above-average-level tackle in the NFL when we drafted him. I 150% blame coaching for his demise, not the pick itself. I do not think the pick itself was bad. I think that drafting Evan Neal was the right decision 10 times out of 10 times. You want to go see Ikem Akwonu right now? He got absolutely demolished last weekend if you watched it. I saw a couple of clips. Oh, my God, he was getting destroyed. You know, like, and he was at left tackle. Evan Neal, you know, obviously we wanted more out of him. And he's still young. He's 22 years old, I believe. So there's still a little bit more time for him to get better and develop. I think coaching has been his worst enemy up to this point, um, not the pick itself. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say like I think that we can give Joe Shane a break for that because we all agreed with it. Uh, the second thing, Daniel Jones's contract, guys. There was no other option. We we could have decided to franchise tag Daniel Jones for 40 million dollars. But if he were to have played well this year, we would have been screwed. You know what I mean? We would have been screwed. We would have been paying him 50 plus million dollars per season. And you want to look at that contract and, 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 you know, decide if that's a good idea. That would have been an absolute devastating situation for us to be in to have to pay him even more if he panned out. Um, the fact of the matter is we got him on a four-year deal, which is actually is only a, tw- a two-year deal because we have the out after next season. And we can still draft a rookie quarterback and save money because of, of uh, if you pay Daniel Jones in 2025, right, you're paying him, I think his cap hits upward of, I think it's like 30, $40 million, something around there. If you draft a quarterback in the first overall pick and you have Daniel Jones and you release him after 2024, you end up saving money. Like that's the reality of the situation. You actually end up saving money. That that. The contract is not a big deal. People are so freaking out about this contract. It's actually a really good one. Um, it protected the Giants from from having a really bad situation uh, where Daniel Jones, you know, is not playing well as he isn't at the moment um, and allowed us to get out of it without too much problem. But if he played really well, it looked like a really great deal. So if, if the opposite was happening right now and Daniel Jones was had a, having a really good start to the season, we would have been like, oh, my God, we got him at under market value. You know, like that's that's the game you play ultimately. The Giants ran the risk because there was nobody else out there. And the people that say we should have franchise tagged Daniel Jones and extended Saquon Barkley, do you guys not notice that he he's already missed time this year? Saquon Barkley has already missed time this season. And he's only getting older. And those injuries are only going to become more frequent as they have been his whole career. I actually like the franchise tag because you're able to trade him if you want to because you're just paying the rest of his salary if, if another team wants him. And at the same time, you protect yourself from a long-term investment with guaranteed money from a player that misses time almost every single season or has deal or is dealing with injuries every single season. Last year, played a lot of games. He still had a neck injury and a shoulder issue. And it was, it was you know, he he was dealing with all that. Um, this year, he already had a high ankle sprain, and he's been he's still kind of uh, dealing with that pain. And I love Saquon Barkley, but he's injury prone. And that's, I mean, I don't, if you if you can't acknowledge that, I don't know what to say. Um, great player. He helps our offense run. But one-year deals for him is exactly what you should do for running backs, especially if you can't trust them to stay healthy. Uh, now, when it comes to Daniel Jones, there is an opportunity for him to turn things around. And it's like the 
<laughs> it kind of sucks because if he plays really well at the end of the, the rest of the season, not only are we probably going to still miss the playoffs anyway, but we're out of contention to draft a quarterback in one of the best quarterback draft classes that we've seen in recent memory. Drake May is like Justin Herbert 2.0, and you look at Caleb Williams and his 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 upside is sky high. You give him a coach like Brian Dable, who I, personally I'm not out on Brian Dable whatsoever. I don't think he's having a great year, but I think he's there's so much adversity. He's trying to navigate so many bad variables working against him. Sometimes it can be overwhelming for any head coach. Um, I think the players respect him. I think the team is still playing hard for him. Um, I just think they're not getting the results because the talent isn't there and the injuries are prevalent. You know, we had freaking, uh, you know, Tommy DeVito playing quarterback last week for the second half, guys. I mean, that was, you know, we were running the ball every play and they knew it was coming just because we could, we knew that our defense would step up and then we just failed at the final moment. So, you know, if the offense could even score t- 20 points a game, we'd be winning most of these games. That's the honest truth. Um, so, you know, Anthony, when you're looking at Daniel Jones, you know, how important is it for him? At this point, like you kind of referenced it, Daniel Jones is fighting for his job right now. Like, if he doesn't play well the rest of this year, the Giants are probably going to replace him. And I think he knows that. I think you can hear it in his voice during these interviews. He's like, I need to get back out there. Like, I need to be playing. Like, I got to get back out there and play. I, he's like really trying to get back into the groove here because. He knows that he's in a spot where if he doesn't perform and this team continues to struggle, the Giants are gonna are gonna kick his his ass to the curb and they're gonna let him wait out that last next year, compete with a rookie, and that's gonna be the reality of his of his tenure with the Giants. It's gonna end after that out in the second year of the contract. So, you know, what are your thoughts about Daniel Jones the rest of the season in terms of um, how important it is for him to step up just for himself and not really the team in general? Listen, if he steps up for the team, the Giants win more games. And, of course, that reflects better on Brian Dable's all-time record, on Daniel Jones' all-time record. Of course, it helps the team winning football games. You know, all New York Giants fans, even though we know the season's likely a lost cause, we were still rooting for our team, and we wanted to see them pull off the win against the New York Jets, and we're going to be rooting for them on on Sunday against the Raiders. We'll root for them no matter who they're playing, and we want to see the New York Giants win. So, of course, for the team, Daniel Jones is going to go out there and try and put in his best effort and help the team win, but for himself, personally really what you just mentioned right there is why he needs to play so well and it is the draft class in and of itself it's not necessarily the fact that the New York Giants need a quarterback or really want to draft a quarterback maybe they don't even want to draft a quarterback but how can you say no to some of these prospects up at the top right if the Giants really do land the first overall pick in the in the 2024 NFL draft and they're staring down two of the generational quarterback prospects of the last five years best quarterbacks of the last five years to come out of the draft, they have to at least consider it, right? Don't they? I, I mean, I would if I were Joe Shane, and I think that he will. And that's really the the situation that Daniel Jones finds himself in. He needs to play so well that Joe Shane just can't consider it, right? He needs to play so well that if the Giants do wind up with the first overall pick, I mean, if he does, if Daniel Jones plays well, they won't wind up with the first overall pick. But even still, he needs to do enough to say, Joe Shane, you don't want a quarterback other than Daniel Jones. You want me. You want me leading your team week in and week out. And that's really the the complex situation that Daniel Jones finds himself in. Now, I know that there are a lot of New York Giants fans that want the team to get the first overall pick, get the best quarterback available. Some fans even do want to see this team go out and tank to try and get the best quarterback available in this upcoming draft. I'm not one of those fans. I still like to watch my team win, but to each their own. But what I will say is that the Giants at 2-6, and they do look like a team that's going to be picking in the top 10 once again. Now, I understand the defense is elite. If this Giants offense was even average, I think this is a playoff team. But this is by far the worst offense in the NFL, 
and it doesn't show any signs of life. It doesn't seem like they're going to improve at any point. And even if they do, you're talking about an improvement from 32, the, the rock-hard bottom floor of the NFL. How high, how far could they possibly improve? And how many teams or how many wins can this team realistically get by the end of the season? Probably not enough to make the playoffs. So I don't care how great this defense is. It's awesome. I love the New York Giants defense under Wink Martindale. They're playing great football, but this offense, unfortunately, is dooming this team. And when you're talking about an offense, you are talking about your quarterback. That is the leader of your offense. And I'm not just saying that Daniel Jones is the problem with the offense. There are a ton of problems with the offense. But has Daniel Jones been the solution for the offense when he's been on the field this season? Well, everybody says we haven't seen Daniel Jones on the field with Saquon Barkley. Last time we saw that, they scored 31 points. They're winning when Saquon Barkley's on the field. So you're not saying Daniel Jones is a solution. You're saying Saquon Barkley is the solution. That's a really good counterpoint to that one, in my opinion. Um, and, and so real, realistically, Daniel Jones is partly responsible for the downfall of this New York Giants offense, whether we like that or not. Listen, going into the season, I was very high on Daniel Jones. I said he would finish the year as a top 10 quarterback. I was wrong. You know, I don't think that's going to happen anymore. He'd have to go utterly ballistic down the stretch of the season and turn this Giants season completely around. And I don't see it happening. So now the New York Giants are going to find themselves in a position. Do they just once again invest their first round pick into the offensive line and hope that that makes the difference? Do they go after the best playmaker available? Do they bolster their pass rush? It's always a mixed bag when you get to the NFL draft. You never know what a team is going to do. But when you're the New York Giants and you do have a quarterback who proved that he can't rise above all of these extenuating circumstances, prove that he does still have problems with injuries. There's a lot of factors working against Daniel Jones's job security here is essentially what I'm saying. And so the Giants are going to have to make a decision uh, or at least just consider making the decision of drafting one of these generational quarterback prospects because another factor to this, Alex, that you just mentioned, you can draft one of these quarterbacks. They don't even have to play in 2024. Patrick Mahomes is a generational quarterback. He didn't even play in his rookie season. You could see the Giants play it out the exact same way. Draft a quarterback and use Daniel Jones on this contract that he's on right now. Make it a bridge contract. Now, of course, they signed it with the intention of it being a long-term deal. They wanted Daniel Jones to establish himself as the franchise quarterback and never have that job taken from him. But now, half of the way through this first season on this deal, you're starting to question that. And that's okay because the Giants did structure this contract in a way where they can get out of it very early and move on if they need to. And Alex, I remember when this contract was signed and we broke down the numbers. That's the reason why we praised it. We didn't praise it because we were like, thank you for handing $40 million per season to Daniel Jones. We were saying thank you for handing $40 million per season to Daniel Jones and getting away out of it after the second season. That's why we praised the deal and thought it was such a good contract that the New York Giants signed. And now, you know, halfway through this year, we feel even better about that because the Giants are in a very particular situation here, very curious spot that they find themselves in where their future is completely uncertain. And so Daniel Jones's future is also uncertain. But thankfully, Joe Shane structured that contract in a way where he could get out of it. So what I think could happen here, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see if it does play out this way, but years and years ago, before Patrick Mahomes was drafted into the NFL, 
Alex Smith signed a long-term contract extension with the Kansas City Chiefs. He was locked in as their franchise quarterback. Even still, they made the postseason, and the Chiefs said, screw it, we're going to draft a quarterback anyways, because we think that this can be a bridge contract that we can get out of in a year or two and move on with a new younger guy for us to develop. So that's what they did. They traded away Alex Smith, I think, after the second year of that long-term contract that he signed, and they went ahead and drafted Patrick Mahomes, sat him for a year, and then that's all she wrote. Now, Patrick Mahomes is arguably one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the NFL history. So that's a strategy that the New York Giants can take. They have Daniel Jones on this long-term deal, but it doesn't need to be looked at as a long-term deal. They can look at it as a bridge deal, take the Alex Smith-Patrick Mahomes approach, and turn it into the Daniel Jones-Drake-May approach. That's totally possible. Now, I know Alex Smith was more of an established veteran. He was an older player in the NFL, so it's not an exact one-to-one copy of each situation. Daniel Jones is not that old, but he is a veteran in this league. He is experienced, and when you have that experience and you have them playing in the NFL for this long and you're getting paid at that level, expectations are high. Daniel Jones needs to deliver, and he needs to show that he can reach those expectations before the end of the season. Because, yeah, Daniel Jones last year, I said this all offseason long, Alex, that final month of the season, it wasn't Saquon Barkley who carried the New York Giants into the playoffs. It was arguably Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones and Andrew Thomas had that offense moving, and they won those games for the Giants. Daniel Jones was playing great football in the final stretch of the month to get to the to get the Giants to the playoffs and win that playoff game. But so far this season, has Daniel Jones been the difference? Has he helped this team win games? Has he been that factor that takes this team from being a bad football team to a good football team? So far this season, no, he hasn't been that. So how can you be so confident in him for the next three plus seasons on this long-term contract? I don't think that you can be. So if you're Joe Shane and you are in striking distance of a generational quarterback prospect, it's at least something that you have to consider. But again, it's up to Daniel Jones now, Alex, for these final stri- for this final stretch of the season to take all of those thoughts that Joe Shane is having and get them out of his head. He needs to win football games. The only way that Daniel Jones can keep Joe Shane from drafting his replacement, it's not by just playing good, it's by winning football games because he needs to get the Giants out of striking distance for one of those quarterbacks. He needs to get to the Giants picking with the 12th or 15th pick so that they can't trade up to the third overall pick to get that quarterback. So what do you think about that? How important it is, not just for Daniel Jones to play well, but he needs this team to win football games more than anything to keep the Giants out of striking distance um, and away from drafting his potential replacement. I mean, look, if there's anyone that has their back to the wall right now, it's Daniel Jones, right? Like he's probably sitting there on the sideline watching games that this team could have won, watching them not be able to move the football against the Jets, watching them not be able to score against the Buffalo Bills, but also watching Tyrod Taylor have some like relative success, um, long drives, a First touchdowns of the year, uh, you know, before the half. Um, we saw Tyrod Taylor do some things that Daniel Jones did not. But here's the truth. You kind of said it best a couple weeks ago. Daniel Jones, is his upside is he can do so much more when things around him are good than Tyrod Taylor. But Tyrod Taylor is better at doing things when there's less around him. He's better at doing things off script, you know, doing whatever uh, just to keep things moving. But Daniel Jones with weapons and protection, his upside is substantial, as we've seen against teams like the Saints and teams like the Vikings last year in the postseason. You know, he's done it. We've seen those elite games. We've seen the second half against the Cardinals. Like, where did that come from? Where How do we get this guy back? And that was without Andrew Thomas, mind you. So, you know, I ask myself – why is it so hard for Daniel Jones to be consistent, you know? And it's because the things around him are consistently changing. Offensive line, the play calling, 
Uh, maybe guys aren't are, are dropping passes. You know, maybe he's not having a good day. The problem is this team lacks consistency in all phases on offense, specifically. The pass protection flounders. You know, your running back goes down. Um, you know, you, your receivers are not, you know, performing well. Maybe you have a drop pass. Maybe Daniel Jones makes the wrong read. And I think that all of these things culminate to a quarterback who has developed some really, really bad habits. Um, and it's not Daniel Jones's fault. But it's it's the fault of everybody around him struggling. I mean, he's had four different offensive coordinators in four years, right? Five years. He has been put behind an offensive line that is consistently ranking in the bottom five in football. How do you possibly take steps forward in that? And listen, we have already wasted the best the uh, the developmental years of Daniel Jones. We need results now. You know what I mean? We paid him for results now, not in two years, not in three years. You know, we're not paying him to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback in the last year of his deal. We're paying him uh, $40 million plus to win football games now. So if you are not winning football games now, this is not, this is no longer about Daniel Jones. This is about the whole offense. If this means, you know, overhauling some of the offensive line, adding more playmakers, getting a new coordinator, replacing your quarterback. If it means all of those things, so be it. But right now, this offense, you know, we're hoping that they can put it all together, but no, they're never clicking on all cylinders at the same time. And that's where I find us to be in a problematic state because on defense, our coverage has been solid, our pass rush has been solid, our linebacker play has been solid, our blitzing has been solid, our play calling has been solid. All of those things are firing simultaneously, and what do you know? We're performing well against good teams like the Buffalo Bills, limiting them to 14 points. Um, so, you know, look at it objectively. When you see a unit that's firing on all cylinders, they perform well, and when you see a, a unit not doing so, they struggle. And the Giants on offense, they're never firing on all cylinders, and when they are, we saw it briefly against the Cardinals for a half. It's not enough. We can't reference a half of a game as a reason to be optimistic anymore. We need to go three, four, five games of playing high-level offense to say, okay, we know we are capable of this. One or two bad games, we can live with that because we know that we'll get back into the good graces of, of the football gods and the offense. And, you know, the, the truth is, is that right now one half of play does not convince me we can do this on an every-game basis. And, it's, and I think you guys would agree with that. Now, there is hope that Evan Neal and both Andrew Thomas will return this week. So we may see our offensive line for the first time since week one fully healthy. Um, with that being said, this may be an opportunity for us to get back on track and showcase that our offense can be a high-octane unit and that we can continue building around Daniel Jones. He has an opportunity here to save his job and reconvince us that he can be the guy. But right now, I am completely thinking about drafting a quarterback. He has an opportunity to change my mind again because, I mean, for the past five years, it's been back and forth. I like Daniel Jones. I don't like Daniel Jones. I like him. He has a 400-yard game, then he has a 100-yard game, then he fumbles five times, then he picks off. He gets those, like, two picks, then he has a four-touchdown performance. You're like, what version are we going to get of this guy every, every week? You know what I mean? That polarizing nature doesn't make me feel very optimistic. I need to see more consistency from the whole offense, not just DJ. Specifically, protect the guy. Give him some weapons to, to utilize. Darren Waller probably isn't going to be available this week with a hamstring injury. But I think that's the truth is that this is not all on Daniel Jones. I'm, I don't think anyone should be blaming him solely for this team's demise um, or this offense's demise. I think it should be the bread should be the, the, the blame should be spread around evenly. Um, but with that being said, if things don't start to show consistency in the right direction, you know, what do you do? I mean, if you're Joe Shane, you're like, I think we need to make a big change and then start to rebuild everything around that big change, which ultimately is always going to be the quarterback position. So, you know, DJ has a chance to save his job, but, you know, he's got to play excellent football the next couple of weeks.
Yeah, and it's going to be easier said than done. Listen, I know that the New York Giants have some easier matchups coming up. Of course, this Raiders game against former New York Giants linebacker Antonio Pierce as the Raiders interim head coach. This is a winnable game for the New York Giants. They're still listed the two-point underdogs going into this one. But this is a game that the Giants very much could and probably should win. When we looked at it before the season began, we circled this as a game that we thought the Giants would win. We looked at it a few weeks ago, thought that this was a game that could help the Giants get back on track. Right now, it's a must-win game for them. And then they have Washington in a couple weeks. You've got the Patriots in Week 12. That's also a winnable game. You could argue that the Packers and Saints could both be looked at as winnable games down the stretch here. Daniel Jones has an opportunity, but there are also tougher matchups on the schedule. Like I said, easier said than done. You got two matchups with Philadelphia. You do have the Cowboys left on the schedule. And really, when you're when you're talking about this New York Giants team and this offense in particular, none of these games are are shoe-ins. You know, nothing here is given to the New York Giants. They're going to have to earn and scrap for every single piece um, of the pie that they want. And of course, when you're looking at this offense, hopefully with Daniel Jones, it clicks better, right? That's what we're hoping for. I don't want to watch this New York Giants team on a week-in and week-out basis fail to score touchdowns, struggle to get the ball downfield, and settle for field goals that they may or may not make, right? I want to see Daniel Jones step into this offense, command it, and say, hey, I am the franchise quarterback. You're paying me all that money for a reason. I'm going to go lead this team to some wins. And if he does that, yeah, he'll take the Giants out of striking distance for a quarterback and hopefully probably save his job. Um, And that's the perspective that Daniel Jones needs to start playing with that, in my opinion, because um, it's very, very important that he picks up some wins down the stretch here for the New York Giants, not just for the success of the franchise, but pulling this team out of contention for those top quarterbacks. That's crucial for Daniel Jones. So it'll be really interesting to see how he plays. Again, there's a winnable matchup on the schedule here this Sunday afternoon, 425 p.m. versus the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm curious to see how Daniel Jones plays. Coming back into the lineup, he was out for the last three weeks, had the neck injury, and Alex, I've been saying for the past several weeks, maybe this is what Daniel Jones needed, right? Everything was spiraling out of control for the Giants offense. Maybe taking a few weeks off and resting, you know, healing through this injury, that little break right here might be what Daniel Jones needed just to kind of take a mental reset and get back onto the football field in a clearer mindset and play some really good football. That could totally happen. So maybe we do see a new Daniel Jones, a new version, a more hopefully consistent version version of Daniel Jones for the final stretch of the season, but we'll see, right? Because we've said this way, way too many times before. Daniel Jones now has these factors, now has this going for him. He's going to be better. Um, And oftentimes we just get more inconsistency and it's not necessarily all Daniel Jones's fault, but there's always so many factors at play that hold him back and hold this team back. But for this final stretch of the season, none of those factors can even be in consideration. It's put up or shut up time for Daniel Jones. I think that he is playing for his job and playing to keep the Giants out of striking distance for one of those generational quarterback prospects. But that pretty much wraps this one up. Make sure to leave a like if you did enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the topic down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. But without further ado, we will catch you all in the next one. Have a good one and let's go Giants.